Thanks for tuning in to the Beer Mighty Things podcast, your place for education and happenings for all things craft beverage. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner. I hope you obtained some value from our show because, as you know, far better it is to Beer Mighty Things. Cheers. Welcome into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew or, you know, do other things as well. Uh, today we have back for the second time the production manager of North Country Brewing here in Pennsylvania, Meg Seastat. Meg, welcome in. Oh, hey. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited. How are you? Ah, busy as ever. So it's it's a September and do you have like a busy season? Is it like, uh, you know, holidays or, you know, now it's kind of wacky, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to think that there were busy seasons seasons um you know and then also you know the winter being our super slow season once we hit january february but here um we stay pretty busy spring through the fall and into the winter and it's like once it gets too cold for people to go outside that's when we can kind of slow down but that's when we start planning okay so yeah so there's no time off it's just uh, where you start to focus your attention right is is in a different place Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, when I stepped into this role coming from a head brewer position and being at a brew pub only, um, we definitely had our peaks and valleys of when we had busy seasons and slow seasons, but, you know, being more on a production side and dealing with outside sales and restaurants, um, I have not yet to experience a time where we're not like really busy. Hmm. Awesome. I guess if you're not busy, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong probably. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely not something I complain about. It's just something that is. Yeah. Yeah. Roll the punches and it just, you know, it's a good thing. It keeps the job fun, you know, like you definitely have to uh, be ready for anything. Honestly. If you're going to make good beer, you know, you got to be prepared and you're going to be busy. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Well, today's topic really is on, you know, being a production manager and what that means and, you know, kind of how that compares to, you know, what you've done in the past. And I've, <laughs> kind of stupid but i was thinking um there's some song i guess that came out a while ago i don't listen to like new rap music but and i know i know you like what you like but i was thinking there's that saying or that song that says like i started we started at the bottom now we here right so (laughs) like if i think back through your career you started in the cellar and you worked your way up i started gluing boxes and labeling bottles that was well before (laughs) the cellar so definitely i don't really want to demean any job because i think every job is honestly truly important and i treat it that way um yeah i definitely worked my way up from a position that might be considered more general labor and uh now have to actually know what i'm doing (laughs) yeah yeah it's a business right so there's so many people who are probably listening that you know maybe they just like beer right they don't know what goes on as far as all the different roles and and how a brewery actually runs. So, you know, that's, and I'm a firm believer of if you are in, say you're a production manager, right? So in order to manage those folks who are, you know, on your team, it's super important that you have also done that job. So you know what they go through on a day in and day out basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I usually kind of run by the model that I really wouldn't ask anyone to do anything that I wouldn't already do myself or haven't already done. And I I think, that keeps me in a level of empathy as a manager. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I think it's just fair. Like I had to have everyone come in today at 6 a.m. So I made sure I was here at 6 a.m. with coffee. There you go. Got to give them the fuel. I love it. See, and that, you know, and that builds respect, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I hopefully, I mean, I, I really just want to make sure that they are set up for success and have the tools they need to uh, do a really good job and be efficient. But I feel like, as a production manager, I take personal responsibility for creating those tools, be it, you know, showing up when they show up so that they don't feel like they're kind of left out to dry or um, creating like literally physical tools, whether it's like an SOP or and how to and give them the training they need to um, be able to do the job the best they can and also progress in their career. Absolutely. So kind of let you kind of run on how you want to go about this, but I basically looked up you know, what does a production manager at a brewery do? And it mentions you know, there's kind of a definition, right? So the planning and coordination of the entire brewing process. And mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of levels there. So, you know, yeah. to perform the role, they must manage staff and scheduled beer production runs and ensure adequate raw materials are available and that sort of thing. So can you kind of walk me through like a day in the life? I know you have something planned here for us. So 
Yeah. Um, go about it. So if we want to start, like, I'll definitely get to a day in the life if we want to do, like, we can either jump in there or I can kind of talk about, like, kind of my beginning here at this role, especially coming from a head brewer side. Yep. Let's do that. So, you know, you're a head brewer, you got the skills, you've done it all. Now you're ready for the next level. You know, what does that mean? What do you do? Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously had my job description laid out for me uh, here, but walking into the role itself, I totally didn't exactly know what I was going to have to be doing day in, day out. And that was something I think I used the things that I learned from being a head brewer, but also kind of just like establish the needs of this brewery. So uh, one of the first things that I did when I got in here was look at the structure of the company. And I did that through um, like evaluating uh, like, how does this brewery operate? Like, how does their day in day out work? Um, what are the really great things that they do? And what are also the pain points? Um, I asked those same questions of the staff to kind of get their perspective on things and really evaluate what challenges they face every day. Um, but then also through that process of talking to them, getting to know them and also, uh, looking at what goals they had, um, what did, where do they see their themselves in the future at this particular brewery? Mm. So that I could also look at that as the larger picture of how our company is structured. Um, I also had a really great, uh, boss when I first moved down to Pittsburgh who hired me at Rivertown. And it's something that still sticks with me. So I I try to bring that into every job that I do that, you know, these brewers might not be here forever, but I still want to give them as much knowledge and tools and training as I can to not only make their time here worthwhile, but also um, help them get to that next level and whatever they want to do. Yeah, I would say if you, you know, if you teach them and school them and they're good at what they do, a lot of times they will leave. And ultimately, you know, that sucks to lose somebody good. Mm-hmm. But you got to have some sense of like, man, you know, I really helped them. They they turned out great. They learned from us here. We know that we are doing something well because they got to where they're going. Right, exactly. And I, and I, I really think that no matter where someone, whether or not they consciously acknowledge that they want to progress or have growth in their job, we all like naturally kind of need that. And so I've had people who, you know, they, they, I've had two actually examples of people who were musicians outside of work, like they had paying gigs every weekend and so on and so forth, who were very tense, just like doing the job, doing the work, being consistent. And I fully respected that because they were upfront about it. And um, so I knew that when I had a role that was available, I would still offer it in case anything changed, but would never take it against them if they were like, nope, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't really want more responsibility, you know, so on and so forth. Um, because that's the reality of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about our industry is that we kind of have that ability to be flexible. And even as a small company, we have that ability to be flexible. I'd also argue like you're, it sounds like you're mentioning, you know, communication is key and right. I mean, with anything, relationships and life at home and at work, communication is key. Above everything. And, and also community, like, having a beer with somebody is such a great, you know, conversation or having a coffee. So you get to have that over a beer kind of, it's always like that kind of casual, but you know, mm-hmm. guiding kind of conversation with good communication. Right. I, so I try to always be as transparent as possible. Like I know when I interview um, because communication is so important to me, um, I always ask people an example of like sometime they had to say, do say have like a negative conversation because it's super easy to be really nice to one another, but it's really hard to be able to be honest and vulnerable and come out and say something that bothers you or something that you saw because they might've experienced like fear of repercussion um, or fear of like having an impact their job in any way, shape or form. Right. So I definitely promote that. And even if I haven't had those conversations periodically, I will pull people in and just kind of ask where they're at. And um, especially if I have, like thoughts on my brain of, okay, what do we need next? Um, you know, do we need to fill a role? Hey, we're kind of short staffed lately. What kind of roles do I need to create? Um, and that's actually something that happened recently. So, um, I was able to have those conversations and check in again with people. And I think ultimately they appreciate it because they know I care about where their career is going too. But, uh, that's just like, you know, I felt like the foundation. So I was able to really walk into this job and evaluate, okay, what are the needs, um, create the tools then after that for us to move forward. So, um, a lot of their, uh, the sales team was a lot smaller when I first started 
but um the, and it was so it being very small it was easier to operate it was just kind of back and forth hey yep we're gonna get this done so on and so forth but as someone who did not come from a typical beer sales background I had to adapt this place for me and create tools for our sales team. So creating, um, running inventory, creating a pick sheet that ties into that running inventory. That was something that we did early on. We use Microsoft office suite. So, um, mm-hmm. using SharePoint has been huge for us. So everything everyone needs is available at any given time. That means yeah. voices are all online. Um, because that kind of like goes into our next thing is like looking at scheduling and ultimately, um, you know, our team is growing. So we're evaluating those tools that were, that I created a year ago now and considering like what are our more quote unquote professional options, I guess, or something that more established like ecos or orchestrated. Um, but yeah. Do, Do you find that those, um, so SharePoint, we use SharePoint as well in my business and we use Microsoft teams. I don't know if you guys use teams at all, but you can pretty much, you know, it's kind of like your chat. It's like that Slack or, you know, um, you're able to drop the SharePoint documents in there. So you can then, you know, essentially, and I think you could access SharePoint from your phone anyway, if they had to look mm-hmm. something up, you know, outside of the market. Yeah. Everyone has an email address. So we have like a couple, I bought a couple computers so that every- everyone can access because we um, delegated some of the inventory rules that were once being done by one person um, having people kind of break it apart. So it's a little bit easier, um, but they can just go on and enter the inventory that we then can look yeah. at and translate to the other programs we use. But um, it's definitely been huge. So they can see their schedule, like what's going on um, in real time. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a super invaluable tool that I, I think the team's been pretty happy for us to implement. That's great. And, you know, you come from a background of working with, you know, breweries, tasting rooms, restaurants, multiple locations. So how does that kind of differ? What have you learned kind of in that situation of each location maybe has a different need? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how involved are you in that process? And you know. um, I mean, it, I mean, I feel like I don't want to say luckily, but also luckily, it, it, I'm a little bit removed from like the day in, day out restaurant needs per se. Okay. But the things that um, we have established as far as like a routine is that um, I need to make sure that they get the beer in a timely manner. And also we do handle all of our line cleaning. So a lot of the communication mm-hmm. between what's going on with your apps, do you have beer foaming? Um, we try to make sure those conversations are pretty open. Um, by having our staff there, our brewers there involved in the cleaning process, they can um, address the needs as needed. But um, so I make sure on a weekly basis that they know what's available as far as inventory goes and make sure that the orders get to them. And outside of that, if they have any events that they want brewers at, we try to have that conversation. We are also involved in beer training. So we periodically will pull any new staff in, um, for beer training so they can mm-hmm. kind of get our product and get to know beer a little bit more. Um, but as far as like, you know, what, what are they doing to help build grow business? You know, we do have a great structure that each location has a great GM and it is their responsibility. And then we come together for any, any needs we have. That's great. So that was going to be my next question was like, all right, so you have a brewery and tasting room and then you have a separate location that you don't brew at, but you know, you serve beer and you serve food at where I was like, mm-hmm. you should have, you know, a restaurant manager over there. You're in coordination of the beer on this side, you guys collaborate and you can also talk what beer is moving the quickest over at that place during what season and why. And then you're also, mm-hmm. you know, you're working with your sales folks to say, you know, what, what are you selling? Who needs what, why, where, and that's how you, you know, develop your target markets and, and what you need to brew, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So like a big part of my job, obviously being a production manager is like scheduling out every aspect of what happens in this building. So um, that what you're talking about ties into this too, is like, I have to make sure I know the team knows what's brews are going on, what's happening in the cellar, when and how much of our packaging we need to do um, our sales pickups and deliveries to the restaurants. Um, But one big thing that I think helped us um, kind of manage that scheduling process better 
is being able to have our restaurants and our sales team pre-order beer. So um, the only things that they don't pre-order are our core beers that we're, they can assume we have all year round. Um, but that not only allows me to decide uh, how big of a batch we should brew, um, how to divvy up our packaging, how many cases, kegs, and you know, depending on what size. Um, and that is a huge tool to be able to utilize because outside of that, you're just kind of using um, the trends that you're seeing. And based on last year's sales, those are a lot of the tools that I use also to kind of help make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. And then, uh, so you know the staff well, you get them promoted. You're working with your restaurant folks to see what's selling. Do you get like situations where that GM over at the restaurant saying, Hey, these folks are asking for this beer and you're saying, okay, we'll brew it. Or do you have to figure out some sort of, you know, volume or quantity that, you know, what's, what's the need, right. Before you start to supply it. it Since North country came, like started as a brew pub and I definitely dealt with this at the last two breweries I worked at where you have those regulars who love certain beers and they want them year round. They want to always be able to drink them. And I feel like as a head brewer, sometimes I would, if I had enough people asking, I would make a change. But um, the nice thing of the way we're established is that we do have a brew pub still, and then we have our production. So yeah, if there's a beer that we're getting a lot of demand for, um, we will talk about scaling up, which we did that for a few beers this year. We had a really um, well-selling Zwickel beer yeah. uh, that we moved to production. We um, had a barley one called Embalmer that has been done year after year at the pub that we're scaling up this year. Um, and a couple others that are in that category. Um, otherwise, uh, one of our brewers will establish. So ultimately at the end of the day, it's very subjective. We try, I have definitely tried to um, create a boundary for that because at the end of the day, if it doesn't serve the business, then I don't think it's something we should do. Um, But if we have the time, the space and the demand um, on a smaller scale, uh, we're happy to accommodate. Um, And I know our one brewer, Austin, just brewed one of our brown ales that he was getting a lot of people asking about, he knows it'll sell really well. And so he went ahead and got that done at the pub. So it's a little mix of both. And I think ultimately if you're setting boundaries for yourself um, and for what the business needs, then sure you can accommodate accommodate when and and if you would like. Yeah, that makes sense. What size is your brew house? We have a 30 barrel at production and a seven at our pub, but we also have a smaller system. We have a two barrel over at Harmony Inn. So you got options. Yes, we do have it's options. Like we will brew this beer at this location. Yeah, we're trying to work on the harmony a little bit. We wanna, I want to get a couple um, more pieces of equipment to kind of elevate the brewing operations over there. But um, other than that, we definitely have options. And I'm excited to also use those tools to possibly train um, newer brewers to, I would rather have them start on like a small scale before they get on this brew house. Before they start wasting materials. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Before a valve gets open that we can't shut. <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll happen. Um, what do you do in the event of, well, I guess, as I say, what do you do in an event of, you know, shortage of cans, crowlers, or lids that are the appropriate size, or say you can't get a raw material or a certain hop or a certain something that, or it's late. Like, mm-hmm. I would assume it's your job to kind of have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a number of ways we approach that. Um, first and foremost, part of, you know, that ordering is scheduling out orders <laughs> is looking at how much production and looking at how many cans we're actually using and what we project to be packaging. Um, so for our cans, for example, we're a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, we have every other month we get deliveries from our supplier. And especially right now with, you know, the like, can shortage that we're hearing all over the industry. Um, you know, we right now we're, we're in an okay position um, in the off chance that we do not have an item or an items delayed or late. I, I really, truly feel like we have a great industry in our area to be able to support one another. And yep. in a lot of cases, and I've used this resource all the time. Um, we have like a private um, like Facebook group for brewers area. in area. And we use that tool a lot for one another, whether we need yeast, hops, malt. Um, I've definitely responded if people have canned needs um, and so on and so forth. 
Um, you know, and I was even asking about ecos like on there just the other day. So, you know, even sharing of information is also a huge tool. Um, and then the last way, you know, if no one has it, um, the product's delayed, um, and all of that, um, ultimately it's moving around your schedule. Um, a big part of my job here, and I think it's something that I have to literally do daily, is be able to problem solve. However, I don't feel like that is any different than what I was doing as a brewer either. You know, anything can go wrong at, at any given moment. And um, ultimately, you have to be prepared to make quick decisions with a cool head that will ultimately not mess up your schedule too far down the line or mess up anyone's schedule. Um, so that, that does happen often. Like a great example, um, we're installing new glycol lines right now and um, we're very excited about it. But one thing that we, I thought wouldn't be an issue was dust falling from the process of them hanging up these pipes. And when we noticed that that was actually happening, um, that's when we had to make this. And also they were using a scissor lift right behind where we're packaging. So safety concerns, um, those are all things we have to think about. So the decision was made to, okay, let's look, relook at the schedule. How can we move things around? Um, and how can we, but key stay on schedule. And that's when I asked the team if, um, they could come in early today, get done packaging before they were going to be up there. And we have to do the same thing Friday. So um, that uh, that kind of hits on an interesting point for me too, because um, one thing I love empowering our, my team to do, it ties into communication, it ties into creating the tools that they can use to succeed is also asking that if there's a problem or that the schedule needs to be moved around, Um, I, you know, I'm not one to be like, no, no schedule never changes. You know, it's always open for adjustments based on what's going on. Um, but if they have to change it to actually look at things and, um, start questioning and composing ideas of how can we change this? What can we do? Um, and ultimately we do that same thing with like what's going on daily. They have the tools to look at what's going on in the brewery and decide what's going on. And we check and balance one another. Um, ultimately, you know, they're there looking at that stuff every single day and empowering them to be able to make decisions out there and, and just let me talk to me about it, um, I think is a really healthy tool for growth. I think, you know, it creates more eyes and a better sense of quality because uh, it's not just me looking at it. You know, what if I yeah. miss a dry hop or what if we need to dump something and no one caught it or we can't um dry hop a beer because we need to use that yeast. Um, those are things that having everyone's eyes on it will keep us all together as a unit and, um, taking care of one another ultimately. So I think I hit my point and didn't go too off the rails on that one. No, I think, <laughs> I think you're spot on. And that makes me think of something else. Like when you're playing, how many, I guess, how many days a week do you brew, you know, on a say the 30 barrel system? Um, it's two to three. Okay. So you have some buffer days if you do have to move a day or two or three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right now we're, we're definitely like on a cusp of growth and we're starting to brew a little bit more. Um, but the things that like really got us to the point where we're okay right now is that, uh, during COVID we trained two new, two brewers, um, on the brew house. One was already kind of halfway there, but we were like, Nope, you're going to be brewing up here. Um, and the other one hadn't touched the brew house yet. Um, so that was huge, great tool that, um, has alleviated some work from our head brewer. So he has time to go work on other things. Um, so kind of being prepared, uh, yeah. definitely is key. Yeah. Especially like sickness or vacation, right? You have somebody you can step in and fill, fill the brewer shoes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just makes us more versatile and that's definitely the mode that we're in right now is cross training, moving people up and getting people trained on the things so that, um, we're just prepared do you physically brew anymore? Or do you have to step in sometimes? Um, I haven't physically brewed probably in like a year. I did a couple of brews at Harmony and it definitely breaks my heart. However, yeah, I say, do you miss yeah, it? I miss it so much. It honestly makes me sad at times, but I do foresee me touching the brew house at some point in the future, but I think it's after getting the team to the point where we have the support. So if anything happens, um, anyone could step in and that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I guess I'm, because I already know how to brew, um, I'm prioritizing like the team unit. And I know it's a little selfish of me to be like, I want to brew. So I'm just going to stop doing my other work. I'm gonna brew. 
Like you, sir, get off of the brew house. I'm climbing up. It's my turn. <laughs> um, yeah, ultimately, I, I, I'm definitely prioritizing the team unit over um, just like my personal desire. But I've had these conversations with um, my head brewer anyway, because I, I think it would allow me to go to the next level with the team if I'm a little bit more involved in some of the day to day so that I can see other areas that we can grow together. Yeah. You know. It's good to be able to kind of step back and take the 10,000 foot view. It's like, all right, all this stuff's going on, going on. I'm going to step back and kind of look at this and, you know, just look at the big picture. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the nice thing I think about being a production manager um, and, and having a good team is you get to kind of put your trust in them, step back and, and think a little bit on, you know, what's going well or what needs to be tweaked or, mm-hmm. you know. I definitely think it, it definitely leads to that. The next step of like, once I like establish the structure, which is, you know, an ever changing and growing thing. So I don't want to pretend like, Hey, we have the best structure right now. It's always ever changing. The more we learn, the more we change um, is that you hit on a good point that like being in this position, something that got added to my plate that I wasn't scared of, but kind of had a little familiarity with was business strategy um, and looking at our brand in a totally new way and having to actually evaluate what does our lineup look like? Do these beers that we have hit our true fans? Um, what beers should we change as far as whether it's the style or the, even the beer name? And um, so I work closely with our sales manager, our director of ops and the owner and our, even our head brewer and uh, our graphics guy actually work closely with everyone, but, um, but to get to this point, but I, I took on last year really evaluating, are we hitting our core market or are we just trying to appeal to the masses, which doesn't, in my opinion, always create the best business model for growth. Um, I truly think that if we hone in on just those true fans of who they are, what do they like? What do they want to see? Uh, they're going to be the people coming back over and over again. And, um, we evaluated it as a team of being like people who really like outdoors. So we were trying to hit on like outdoor sports, camping, so and so forth. Cause mm. that's so Bob, um, you know, yeah, you gotta know your backyard, you know, absolutely. Um, uh, and also knowing who maybe in the future we want to bring in and you'll see you're out there are themed in that way. So we're just putting out a beer soon called Traverse. We put out a beer called Commuter. We have Happy Camper. All of these things um, are just like that first step in trying to really connect with our true fans. Um, but also looking at goal setting for this business. Um, you know, I started pressing our team mid last year, like, what are our goals next year? Like, mm. what do we want to focus on so that every decision we make comes back to that one goal? Um, because we can change it yearly. We can establish a five, 10 year goal, and then break that down into how do we get to that point on a year to year basis? Absolutely. Um, what are the pieces of the puzzle? So, um, you know, right now looking at adjusting our branding was a big goal this year, as well as trying to kind of get to our true fans versus just kind of stay as we always have. Hmm. Um, and so those are a couple of things. So we, we have a meeting coming up to reestablish that and see what worked this year and what didn't based on sales. Obviously COVID took a huge dive into that, but um, those are just things we have to really look at and now look to next year. What is our goal? So when you mentioned goals, mm-hmm. what types of goals are we talking? Are we talking about barrels brewed? Are we talking about sales revenue? Are we talking about number of employees? Are we, you know, there's lots of different metrics here. So what are some of the key goals that you are, uh, are looking for? So, uh, for us, a big thing was like really building the business. Um, we wanted to almost reintroduce the brand a little bit. I put that as one of the goals as the brewery who is North country, like really reintroduce people to North country, to our beers. Um, because I think we've been around for so long, people yeah. already have like their mind made up, like, who are we? What have, what was their experience? And we want to get back out there saying, Hey, this is who we are. This is actually who we are. Yeah. Uh, we've only been doing the production brewery for six years now. So I think that still makes us somewhat of a young brewery in the minds of like a production brewery. Absolutely. So that was a big metric on, um, that, that I'm looking at this year is as far as success goes, it did these beers hit that market? Did these beers 
build our business a little bit. Um, but it all comes back to what we did to approach those. So we adjusted our labels, we adjusted the names, um, and how did those metrics actually play into building sales? Obviously, again, hitting on COVID definitely took a hit, but we'll take that into consideration um, when we actually decide like yeah. how did. Um, but I mean, other things that people could definitely think about are, do you want to increase your social media presence? Um, do you want to expand your market? Um, it, I think it's a very subjective thing that that business has to establish for themselves because I could say what success means for us and it can change next year for us or like what's success to us is different for someone else. But I think it all comes down to the core of what you're doing for your business and establishing a goal that, um, that your business needs to hit. Yeah. I'll have some, there's going to be a podcast that goes out before this airs and and it's about problem solving that I put out by myself. It's like five minutes, but there's three questions, you know, when you, when you have a problem and it's, you know, what can I do? What can Mm -hmm. I read? Who can I ask? So, you know, when you take those situations, it's like, what can we do? Right. There's something that can be done or there's somebody who's already done it. How do we figure it out? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, here, you know, when you're mentioning these goals, right. It's like, uh, as far as social media, you can track, you can measure that, right? Because you know how many followers you had and how many you, you have now and how much engagement there is. Um, you can look at sales figures and see where you were and, and where you are now. And you can look at, I guess you could probably dial in like sales per beer, right? Each style or each. Yeah. And I can look at across the restaurants too. So like when we go in a couple of weeks to um, review how the beers went this year, um, part of what we're looking at is how did they sell in the restaurants? Did yeah. the, you know, and I, we can actually use physical data um, to measure that, to see if this beer should make it into next year's lineup. Um, should we, another question we're having is should some of our beers go from 16 ounce to 12 ounce? Because that mm. might hit the right customer the right way. Um, now, are you talking about in a glass or in a, in a packaged? Can? Oh, no, you're packaged. In a packaged, yeah. 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 You know, a good example, we've been doing that for the people beer. Yeah. And, um, you know, after the big launch, we had a really great launch, but then it, we saw it slowing down. But so we're kind of hypothesizing that maybe it's the packaging size um, and maybe it might be the label. So the next batch, we're changing down to a 12 ounce and we updated the label to kind of look a little retro vintage looking. Um, to kind of hit that people who might like Jenny Cream Ale. You know, those are the things that we kind of looked at as well as what else is happening in the market. And that, that costs money. That's an investment in, in not only actual dollars, but also in time and, and strategy and thought. So yeah, definitely. Um, but is I mean, that a situation where you're like, I know this beer kicks ass, but people aren't buying it. Maybe they're not aware of it or something. Right. Yeah. And that's what we looked at is like, well, why are the beer sales slowing down for this? Because, you know, we believe, you know, okay, to kind of put in comparison, like Firehouse Reds are biggest selling beer. And Mm -hmm. one of the aspects of that product is we donate back to our local firehouse fire department. And that's a huge thing. And I think it's an amazing thing that we do. So for the people is a little bit similar in that we are giving back to people. Um, the money, like portion of the proceeds raised is going to go back towards hospitality workers, educational opportunities. And, um, so that is a huge tool. So knowing that there's a good cause behind it, which you would think like would help kind of drive a little bit of the sales. Um, we're now looking at, well, it's slowing down. Okay. What are other pre-mails doing out there? Okay. What are our other options? Jenny pre-mail, um, and there's not, I don't really know. There's not a lot of commercial. I know, um, Nishamni Creek does one periodically and whatnot, but I don't think it's like a year round product where we're trying to make it a year round product. So looking at Jenny Cream Ale is one of our options, vintage can size of packaging. Mm-hmm. See, either people are buying in a 12 ounce can <clears throat> or they're buying in like a 24 ounce can, you know, they're either going. Yeah. To- and that's, so you're, you're targeting maybe that, that older generation, um, bringing them back a little nostalgia. Yeah. Um, so the same style of beer, but only upgraded with, you know, you know mm-hmm. some better, better process and better ingredients. And it does allow us to change the pricing on the beer too. By moving yeah. it down to a 12 ounce can, we are going to move it to like our core pricing. So we think that it could be hitting that market of people who do just want a really light beer option, but they're used to paying $6.99 for a six pack versus, you know, $8, 9 for a six pack. So those are yeah. kind of strategies and stuff. But I, I think you um, make a great point about problem solving because I think it's definitely one of my tips is that um, 
I think at any given point, you're going to be having to solve a problem, whether a piece of equipment goes down or uh, again, you have to adjust the schedule or someone calls off, whatever it is, you have to be there to rationally and calmly address it and be able to look at it and not get stressed out. Be like, Oh gosh, not again. Because in the beer industry, I think like things go wrong all the time. (laughs) I'm sure I'm not the only one who says that. Um, So being able to problem solve, I think is a great asset for anyone to have. So someone seeking a production manager job got to be a good problem solver. Absolutely. Okay. What else would you recommend for somebody seeking that position? Cool. Well, I mean, I'll just go down to my tips and whatnot. So first thing that I always talk to people about, and not only just in my role, but any role is creating boundaries, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's boundaries for your position. So when I was looking at structure, I had to also evaluate what kind of boundaries did I want to create so that I don't have three different departments talking to me all the same time, distract, you know, like there, I'm sure yeah. experience, you get very distracted and it's hard to focus. So um, creating boundaries, but also your time is your only like resource that you have as a human being. And well, it's, it's the only resource that is finite and you don't get back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think being able to set boundaries so that you have your time, use utilize it well, but also use that time and give priority to yourself. Like, and I know people are going to call me out and be like, got all this like hippie shit, but self-care, meditate, work out, scream in the woods. I don't care, but like taking care of yourself first and foremost and setting those boundaries to what you need ultimately will, um, people will respect it. I think people are scared or afraid of um, like setting boundaries because they think they're going to be a dick about it, but everyone needs boundaries, every single person. Really? Um, so that's something I very much so promote because um, you'll be a better manager for it. Um, we already talked, we talked a lot about structure today, but focusing on structure, um, creating tools to make your life more efficient and ultimately help your team. is so huge. Mm. Um, can't, um, stress that enough. Um, also creating smart goals. Um, we touched on like creating small, very measurable, attainable, uh, realistic and timely. Yeah. Time based, uh, goals, I think are really healthy for your team, um, for you as a manager and keeps everyone focused on what the next step is. Um, but I always want to add small because not everything has to be, Hey, I need to be, need to make a million dollars this year. You know, like maybe it's, I want to increase sales by 20 K this whatever. Um, and then learning to be okay with change. Um, I think daily minutia can really get in the way for people and, you know, makes you address things on the instant, but like you still kind of have to come back to evaluating what that, what Mm -hmm. happens and staying true to your goals. We we get hit on this real quick. Is that, Right, your head brewer is out today. Yeah, he, he's taking so here's again boundaries. Uh, he his vacation renews in like a month, and this dude works so hard and he never takes off. He like overworks and like I got to the point where he was going to come in today just for a meeting. I was like, but he drives an hour to work like I do. Uh, I'm like, dude, stay home. Awesome. Don't wait. The moment you get here, you're going to work. So, um, I kind of pushed him and forced him to take his days. Like he knew he wanted to take days, but I was like, I'm going to help find as many days off that we can get you in the next month as possible. So, um, so yeah, so he's just off on vacation, taking some time for himself. That's great. And then, you know, when you take the time for yourself, you're better and you can come back and serve others better. And yeah, absolutely. That's why I'll post my pictures on the weekends, like Sunday mornings or something. I'll go fishing. It's like, yeah. You know, I love my family. I love my job. But when I can go float around on a lake for three hours, I'm a better person. You know, mm-hmm. I can I can unwind. I need that. We all need that. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm still learning how to do, but I'm like actively trying. Um, you know, I just rebought a camera because I love taking photos and yeah. made like I was on the border of not doing this. I was a little hungover one day. And I'm like, no, go hike, go take photos, go take your dog out for a walk by yourself too. You know, um, having that peace with yourself, I think, and being able to hang out with yourself and um, give that time and space to think is really, really healthy. I've been doing that. I did that this morning was, you know, I'd take my girls to the bus stop. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they the bus picks them up at 7.55. And then I just, when the bus leaves, I just take a walk around the block. Um, <laughs> you know, my phone's in my pocket, but it's on quiet. And just just take a walk. You know, mm-hmm. no no headphones in. Just just take a walk. Look around. You'd be surprised what you notice that you typically don't notice that you drive by or walk by all the time when you're not paying attention, you know. That's huge. And I think it's really good to notice those things that maybe we take advantage of for example, great. And I think like, you know, taking walks, but for me, one thing I noticed that I didn't realize until I didn't have it, um, was my drive to and from work. Mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of was like, gosh, this is so much more in gas. However, it's the time I actually listen to audiobooks, podcasts, like it's, it's your unwind time. Yeah. And I didn't realize I started carpooling with someone and like, I love her to pieces. Um, but I was just like realizing that I wasn't being able to focus on the podcast or the audiobook because we were just talking. And so I had to be like, I, I, I want to suppose to say one gas, but I'm like, I didn't realize how much I missed listening to audiobooks and podcasts until I wasn't able to. And um, so I, I, I definitely took that for, uh, took advantage of that. And um, now I don't, I definitely acknowledge that that's another good time. And that's self-awareness and that's great. You know, that's awesome. What I was alluding to was your brewer's out and you have an order coming, right? So don't you have to kind of step in and and do some extra stuff today? Um, It's more so the other way around. So usually if I'm busy and we have an order come in, I usually have the invoice done, but he could finish like, we don't always know what uh, kegs, empty kegs we're getting back. So I have to just literally add that. And, um, but that is something that, you know, um, we do work together, him and I really well, is that if he does want to take time off, I don't want him to stress out about that. So right. if there's anything he needs done or making sure the guys have the support they need, or she a guy and girls, um, they, they need to uh, do the work that I'm here and they know I can help with whatever. Cause I, also like to make sure our team doesn't contact one another if it's their day off, unless it's an emergency or just for fun. Um, because awesome. I understand how it is to be contacted a lot while you're trying to have your day off and you don't feel like you leave work. So. Yeah. With our phones, we're always connected, right? So it's always like you have work in your pocket, no matter what. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever get to this point, but I did buy a second phone. <laughs> Like simply to have as like my new personal line, just to Sweet. like, I have to disconnect. I had to, um, I, I, there, it wasn't able to set up the boundary well enough to be able to not look at my phone, um, because I was always having it on me. So now I have two ones used for work primarily. And then one's personal and hmm. my BS and I can go for a hike and not bring my work phone. Yeah. So I like that. So it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I don't want to be contacted, but now I got two ways of being contacted, but there's a strategy, right? Cause not everybody has there are that number. two people who have my number at work. <laughs> you just get a walkie talkie. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I literally, I, I was like, who are the most important people who might need to get a hold of me in case of an emergency? Uh, my head brewer and the taproom manager who's here. And I'm like, they get my new number. Everyone else, you know, I love you all to pieces, but not even mom. Come on. Oh, well, yeah. Friends and family, of course. Okay. Right. Like at work, there's only two people who have it. I gotcha. So, but, um, but yeah. How often do you meet with your staff or your team? So, um, we, I think we're getting better about meetings. Uh, so we, I guess in general, um, we have bi-weekly manager meetings where every manager and chef from all the locations, I mean, it's here at production. Um, we do that every other Wednesday. Um, and then we have monthly meetings with our director of operations. So she can kind of give us personal attention on that and whatnot. Um, and then sporadic meetings with other suppliers and whatnot. But with my brewing staff, we haven't really been able to get consistent because we've been so busy in a lot of ways. Yeah, as yeah. COVID had my staff off half the time. Um, so, but we're trying to establish a monthly meeting that's in at this point this year, we probably have had like four. <laughs> right. So, um, we can just yeah. throw this year out. That's cool. Yeah. 2020 did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> like what? It was 2019 and it goes right to 2021. Like, yeah, yeah, we don't need that one. Yeah. I, I definitely in establishing my boundaries, like wanted to establish like 
time constraints and like give people specific time to talk about things. Um, you know, sometimes I have to meet the salespeople. I have to meet with our graphic designer and try to actually use the calendar and respect each other's time and establish periods when to talk about things because I, I didn't realize how much I could get off task.
Cool. So yeah, yeah stillness, stillness is the key. I've read ego is the enemy, obstacle is the way. Yeah. He is, yeah. there's, I have a list of favorite authors that are right here and he is on the top of that list. Nice. Good. Yeah, no, he's amazing. I definitely, I love seeing the week, the daily um, emails and stuff. And I think stoicism is a really cool philosophy to learn more about and recommend it to anyone. But uh, Ego's Enemy has definitely been a really cool book to listen to. Yeah, when you can put away your ego, your life will open up. And I have the A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, okay, cool. And this just came out. I just bought it. I read about, we got the newspaper now. We got a newspaper on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like old school, right? <laughs> I like the hold stuff when I read it. So uh, this was in there. It's called The Socrates Express. Okay. In Search of Life Lessons from Dead Philosophers. And um, it's about Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius. And I actually have meditations from Marcus Aurelius right here as well. So uh, totally nice. into stoicism. Yeah, it's great. Ton of information. It's such good information. I think it's just a very genuine philosophy. And I think like it applies so much. It's so relevant today as we hear all the time too. But like actually diving into it, you're like, you see the relevance of it all. But But yeah. I do have the hard stop at one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you are all good. Well, thank you as always for scheduling the time, right? You're a scheduler now. Uh, yeah. You're a true leader. You are pretty much a human Swiss army knife and I appreciate you hopping on here. Hopefully if it helps anyone move their career forward if you have better ideas do something a little bit more unique and down here and we got at north country brewing on say instagram and i All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you find this valuable. Please follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. And while you're at Apple, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating. It helps us get noticed among the craft beverage community there. Thank you. Cheers and beer. Mighty things.